Hello, GGR fans. Welcome to another Yeet and Greet podcast. GGR stands for Galbraith Gravity Racing, a USA Cycling youth team based in Bellingham, Washington. We're super excited for 2021. Thanks to our great sponsors, we're going to have some great training, and everything's going to be running great. Our training's already started, and next week we train with the man himself, Shams March, along with Nicole, who put together the BICP training program for our Level 1 coaching certification, and thanks for training all of our ride leaders. Local pro Eric Olson is who I'm talking to today, and he's been training with the kids nonstop, rain or shine, since January. We appreciate all our sponsors, but a special thanks to Bank of the Pacific today for sponsoring some of our training. And for helping Eric get here, we've got Fox Suspension, 1UP Components, Ride Wrap. Thanks, Scott, for sending everything down our way. Census Grips, TLD, flagship sponsor, Transition Bikes, and grab a cup of Tony's coffee. And listen, in fact, you might want to get two because this podcast gets a little long, but I think it's pretty awesome. Make sure you stay for the story about Eric building his own bike. Welcome to this fancy recording studio, Eric. Thanks for having me. Uh, Eric Olson's with us. He's a, a pro that rides for Forbidden and Fanatic. He volunteers with Galbraith Gravity. We really appreciate his leadership and how much he uh, has donated to the team, both in his time and his spirit. Uh, we met Eric at Silver Mountain Race at the bottom of the list and sort of uh, enlisted him by yelling. And <laughs> he got the information, and he's... Probably the little studio that we have is our shop where I build lights. And as an engineer, he probably appreciate he appreciates this shop more than any other guest we've ever had. Yeah, it's so, awesome in here. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, Eric, can you just anyway say hello and tell us tell us uh, who you are and where you're from? Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. I mean, it was great to meet you at Silver Mountain. My name is Eric Olson, and um, I'm a mountain bike racer, like Dave said, and I was coming down from practicing one of my laps at the Northwest Cup downhill. And, you know, this guy just goes, hey, you in the Fanatic jersey. We're from Bellingham. And I was like, no way, me too. Like, what's up? And he's like, and I was just, you know, like uncertain of what was happening. And he said, we're here with like 30 kids. And that got my attention. Then I was like, whoa, okay, this is awesome. Like, what's going on here? And we exchanged numbers and the rest is history. Like... I mean, that's a great way to introduce yourself to someone, you know. Yeah, we're out here all the way with 30 kids. And, like, I perked up for sure because that's awesome. That takes a lot of work. So I'm glad to be involved. Thanks for having me. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a cross between, um, yeah, recruiting and get off my lawn. Kind of a the get off my lawn guy being yeah. friendly, I guess. Well, at first I was like, what is this guy going to bug me about? But it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so... I grew up in Anacortes, Washington. Oh. Um, so about 45 minutes away from here, um, but not quite as much of a mountain bike town as Bellingham. Um, Erie's pretty nice, though. Mount Erie's pretty good. Yeah. There are some awesome trails. Don't tell too many people about it, you know? Yeah. But um, they're all, like, natural hiking or, like, XC trails, but tons of roots and rocks and hard climbs, fun descents, but all like on a small scale compared to Bellingham. Sure. Okay. Yeah. But I didn't really get into mountain biking until high school. Um, I was a competitive swimmer all through, um, elementary, middle school, high school. Um, and that was a big part of my life and that's where a lot of my fitness came from. And 
you know, was very competitive in swimming and have, you know, won like a state championship um, oh, nice. with the team, with Anna Cordes, and then also um, in a relay. And then some top tens individually in state. Um, awesome. And I was a sprinter, actually, which is pretty funny. Like, my races were under a minute or like 30 seconds long, you know. Now you're pedaling all day. Yeah. And then in high school, a good friend. So I was kind of getting burnt out on swimming. Um, I, I enjoyed the competition, but not necessarily the like monotonous training, I guess. And, um, like I had good friends on the team, but I also had friends like outside the team who were doing more outdoors, like stuff like skiing. And, um, and then one of their parents started this Washington student cycling league team in Anacortes and I tried out and, you know, hadn't really mountain biked too much before and was on a borrowed bike that was way too small and I was just inchworming down the trail and right. yeah I mean I was hooked like it was super fun I, I knew about all those trails out there but just the freedom to like go explore after getting out of school instead of going and doing the same thing that I'd done for weeks and months and years like it it just got me so excited and That's I think awesome. I just got hooked there's yeah. got to be some crossover too because the way you approach practice is with the kids are super fun. Every time the kids come back from a practice with you, you ask them, and they say, uh, it was the, they say that was the most fun ride they've ever been on. So, yeah. you know, they go, oh, yeah, that was like, of all the rides I've ever been on, that was like, that was like definitely one or two. And, but at the same time, you're, it sounds like you've created a blend from swimming experience to the biking experience. Yeah, totally. I, I love, swimming and I still get in the pool occasionally and I learned so much from like that many years of practice like it's in in some ways it's a very technical sport similar to mountain biking there's a lot of skill and like you're always trying to improve your technique um there it's different movements but it's full body movements and it's very physical especially for like downhill like just that same feeling where your entire body or like on a pump track Pump track's probably the most similar feeling you can get to swimming, like of any sport I've ever encountered, oh, where it's just that. a full body pump, like to sprint swimming, you know? Um, and I love that. I love riding the pump track for that reason, because it feels the same. And I like that high intensity. Um, yeah. And then swimming is organized in a way like USA swimming is actually a, a great model organization for other sports to grow all the way from you know learning to swim well they're not quite at the learning to swim but like just beginning to to start to work out or just have a sport all the way up to olympic trials olympic development um i mean you, you've seen like the u.s is a force in in swimming at the olympic level at the highest level um and it's all under one organization so if you look at cycling there's so many like, I love cycling, but we have so many different people individually trying to create their own, you know, organization to run races. There's different licenses. There's EWS. There's USA Cycling. There's UCI. Like, USA Swimming is pretty cohesive relative to cycling. And so I think if you're trying to model, you know, for, for where cycling could go and improve, that might be it. Hire the, hire the head of USA Swimming, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. I think, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure 
it's not those, all those, perfect those people there, are talking. But I'm sure they I'm sure they all talk. Each one yeah, of these sports organizations, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't I can't pretend like I know what goes on at USA Cycling or USA Swimming cuz I prefer to just be more involved at the local level. Like our, you got to just involvement, focus. Our involvement with USA Cycling has been great. Um, That's great. Yeah. And I know they've um, I know that they've the they've got a huge mandate though. And I know there's different disciplines in swimming, but ostensibly it all happens in a swimming pool. Exactly, yeah. Right? It's a big difference. And uh, USA Cycling has disciplines that are, I mean, you probably have what a, what a downhill mountain biker has in common with a velodrome rider exactly. is minim- probably minimal. Right. It's like a different sport. And so, yeah, that is part of the reason that mountain biking has so many kind of spurred off organizations is because USA cycling probably has too big of a job on its hand, but it's great that like they do some great stuff too. And USA cycling has helped me out. Um, I was on the cross country team for a trip to Canada and I've raced in the USA Jersey and they've helped me out. Speaking of the, you you were sporting the USA Jersey. We'll get back to it, but, uh, getting, uh, getting an outstanding, getting an incredible cross country race performance on a, High pivot druid, yeah. The other was pretty awesome. The other yeah. day, so to see. there's a local XC series, and it's been months since I've raced, so I was just jonesing to go, and yeah, took my enduro race bike and you know slammed the handlebars lower and put some lighter tires on, and yeah, went out there and realized that the only XC jersey I had left in my drawer was the USA jersey, and it wasn't in my drawer; it was actually pinned up on the wall on display. <laughs> And I realized I had to pull it down off the wall and, you know, come out of retirement for an XC race, just a local race. But it was really fun. Um, there's a local uh, uh, Seattle area kid named Jack Springer who beat me. I got second in the Cat 1 category. And, yeah, it's awesome because he was on a team called Rad Racing that I was on once I got further into mountain bike racing. Um and he was, now he's 17, so, you know, five years ago, he was a lot smaller. And to see how he's developed um, and grown as an athlete has been amazing. And, you know, I think that was the first time he's properly beat me in a mountain bike race. And oh, the time awesome. has come. Yeah, it's been awesome. I'm, so, I'm not going to let him take it easy. I, I've still got a few more races to try and squeak out a win. But, yeah, he's in great shape, and that was cool to see. Well, so go back to Washington State Cycling League team in high school mm-hmm. and the start of XC mm-hmm. and tell a little bit about that journey up to the trip to Canada. And, um, and then maybe you can tie in what you, how you see that crossover with XC and downhill and enduro specifically. I know you got some thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess to, to roll it back, to start from the beginning, the Washington student cycling league is run like a school sport in that it is focused around training for competition and so they have cross-country mountain bike races. It's like NICA in California. Um, it actually started as NICA and then branched out. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I, I went to a cross-country mountain bike race pretty soon after I started mountain biking. And so racing has kind of always been part of that. But racing was also a part of my life in swimming. So it felt natural to try and compete and my first race in the beginner category 
I, I ended up winning. But it, oh. the, you'll see, like, you know, in Nike starts, there are these huge mass start XC races, and I'd never raced before, so I started at the very back of this huge field, and I was passing people the entire time, and I passed the la- like I didn't know what position I was in, and I passed one last guy on the last corner and finished, and that was the last person to pass for the win. Oh, that's <laughs> and I had awesome. no idea. But yeah, I mean, but honestly, like, you know, it's just the beginner category, and they have this whole category system, right? Like, beginner, intermediate, advanced, JV, and varsity, and it it's a great structure to grow, and the races get longer and more competitive, and so immediately after that, I moved up to intermediate and started having, like, that was the right category for me and started to have some great competition with riders that I've raced with for years, like, all through high school then, you know? It it was pretty cool to just always have that racing, and then it was also a good, like, legitimate um, replacement for swimming. Like, I, if I was going to quit swimming, which I was kind of considering in high school, like, I was juggling between, you know, I want to go to state and, you know, be part of the team. I have friends on swimming, but I also kind of am over this training. I I was going to need to replace that with something that was also training. Um, My parents weren't going to let me just dick off and, like, quit sports, you know, and just ride around in the woods with no, you know, schedule to it. My bike and my Xbox. yeah, Yeah, like, that wasn't really an option, and I appreciate that they stuck to that and said, you know, you're if you're going to do this, you're, you're going to have to, like, you're, we want you to be in some sort of sport or some sort of activity that's organized after school. And there's a lot of value in that. And I think having organizations like Washington Student Cycling League or GGR that are a little more organized and official, that gives kids the opportunity. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's important for parents and it is important for kids to, you know, have that direction and so anyway um and your teammates and like you were saying um if your friends if your friends are part of your motivation to do it of keeping things fun mm-hmm. and the people you know because the social part of it um uh, your friends depend on you to show up stoked for a ride that's the yeah. best part of yeah. mountain biking and so that's what that's what we try to create and exactly. explain that yeah. to the kids like your friends are going to miss you and that that helps that motivates kids more than anything it's just exactly yeah. yeah well and that's what motivated me to get started was we just had such a great like there were only 10 of us the first year and now and then the next year we had 30 maybe and then the year after we had like 50 people on the team it grew in Anacortes massively because it was just so much fun um and the team was doing really well we had a lot of riders um who were all progressing really quickly And we all ended up kind of getting into those JV and varsity categories pretty quickly. And Anacortes had like a dominant student league team for what it's worth. And we were all having fun, like competing with each other. And I think that's part of what sucked me into the sport so much. Um, And then from there... Did the high school support that a lot? No, we were pretty separate, actually, from the high school in Anacortes. We kind of did our own thing. Um, Like they were aware of and actually one of the teachers um his name's uh matt wallace he actually helped create the team and he was like the marketing and like um he he teaches like the microsoft office classes and also runs the student store but happened to be a mountain biker and he helped but there was no official um 
recognition really from the team uh, from the high school but that but was fine does it because I, I could imagine if you if you were traveling for a race on a weekend or something like that and there maybe there's some other student activity there's a class or hey i need to get out early on a friday so i can make it over to wherever um that some that kind of high school support could, or direct school support could help i don't know if there's ever an issue for you yeah i'm i don't think i ever encountered any sort of issues with that because it was a pretty small school and you knew your teachers pretty well and they understood that people do other activities like i think there's enough um, or I, I'd already done club swim too. Like there's club sports. So I think if people are doing like, there's enough people doing outside of school, act, like sporting events that I don't think you need to seek out support from or direct recognition as long as they understand that students like have these other activities that they do. I think that's fine. But yeah, I, I think reeling it back again, like, you, you want a year-round activity, and school um, sports are only for a season, right? And so that's where those club sports have come in, is yeah. people want to be able to do have their kid in a year-round activity. Um, and we're lucky enough in Bellingham that mountain biking can be a mostly year-round activity, and you can trade off with swimming and stuff, or, or not swimming, uh, skiing, um, and things like that. And yeah, I think it's no different than school sports where you you might do soccer or football or basketball, like the traditional sports. You you want some variation in your year. Um, but yeah, so I was trying to get this newfound sport to fill my entire year because then I wouldn't have to do club swim anymore. <laughs> and so I then reached out to um, one of the coaches, Kevin Foss, who's a really great friend and mentor of mine. He, he had also helped found this team. And I said, hey... Like, would you be willing to be my coach year-round? Because I see that there's racing beyond the student cycling league. There's USA Cycling events. And actually, um, there were riders from Anacortes. My good friend Calder Wood, um, who's a national cyclocross champion as a junior and has been to world champs for cyclocross and cross-country, he was already on this team that I mentioned earlier, Rad Racing, which was a used to be a Washington-based um, mountain bike team. And they still exist, in a sense, in cyclocross. But at the time, they were focused on, like, pro XC racing and cyclocross racing. And he was already doing that. And so I saw that as, a va- like, an option. Like, he was my neighbor. And I was like, I want to do that because I enjoy competition and I want to do this year-round. And so I needed to find a coach. And so I reached out to person who was already my coach, uh, Kevin, and he wasn't running a coaching business at the time at all. Um, and he said, well, I'll think about it. And he said, yeah, that could be pretty fun. And so he started, you know, making me a weekly training plan. And then most importantly, he, um, is more, was more involved in enduro and downhill racing, like the early, like Oregon enduro series. And so he had a background of skills coaching and like gravity based mountain biking. Um, so every week we would connect for, um, skills coaching and training because at the time I was not a skilled mountain biker at all. And I I was motivated and had a lot of fitness, but was all the, the skills in mountain biking were pretty foreign to me. 
and I'd actually broken my collarbone pretty bad oh. and had to uh, get surgery and raised state with a screw through my collarbone, you know, and my swim coach was really pissed about that, you know, just this whole thing where I couldn't even move my arm at the beginning of the season and ended up working my way up and PT all the way to the state champs. And then well played right after, you know, trying to get the screw removed so that I could go mountain bike again. <laughs> Cause yeah, it was, it's pretty funny. I was definitely conflicted between the two sports, but yeah, it gave some, my parents were stoked because if he was skills coaching me, I'd be less likely to crash and break my collarbone again. Sure. Um, yeah. And that's kind of, I think that's the beginning of where I realized that mountain biking, you know, we've got this fitness end and then also like XC racing, but, but also this gravity driven, like highly technical part of mountain biking. And I I started to really fall in love with that actually, even within XC racing, there's awesome descents and you can gain so much time. Like there's nothing more satisfying than passing someone on the descent in a cross country race because you're doing it for free. You don't have to work hard to do that. Like, so I loved that gaining the technical skill and being able to, there's a reason why there's a reason why USA cycling's taken Shams March to the Olympics with them. Yep. Is because, and they have him over there walking that course is because, uh, and he goes to the world champs. Exactly. Kate Courtney and everybody. Exactly. Cause yeah. Because it's, it's a huge part of it. I, I love watching sidebar. I love watching Red Bull TV cross country oh, world yeah. champs, but I, do too. I only like watching the ladies events. Okay. The, yeah. Like, uh, I'm, I'm just impressed with them and I got Christopher's hooked on it and we watch them. Yeah. We watch every one of them cause it's, uh, when yeah. they and you're you're in this, but when they hit that starting when that starting gun goes off, when they know they know that they are in for maximum yeah. F, there's going to be you fully know committed be for nothing, an hour and a half. Full, yeah, that's awesome. I totally agree, and that's why I still love cross country racing. I was fully focused for an hour and a half last weekend when I did that race, and. It, it feels like an hour and a half long enduro stage for those of us who are familiar with um, enduro or downhill racing like that pure focus for a few minutes like that's addicting right that's why we love it yep you can get that flow state for the entire hour and a half of your xc race if you are trained properly and have the experience and that's pretty addicting that's a lot more payoff but you know not everyone has that experience xc racing it can be pretty brutal at the same time and i think even pro XC racers talk about some races are just brutal and some races you're in that flow state, but being able to ever reach that flow state, that's, that's what you're always working for. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, the women's racing in world cup is awesome. And then Kate Courtney, a product of Nika. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Um, Especially yeah. like some of her comeback oh, victories yeah. you had, you're just like, Yelling at the TV, and but I, you know what we well last year for Rotorua we also uh, let the kids stay up, um, so we could watch because the time change with uh, Crankworks over there, so we could watch Jill. Mm, so nice, we we're watching, yeah. you know, we we're watching all the that's awesome, all, yeah. all the Jill, yeah. Jill's matches at odd yeah. hours. So same that's thing. Cool. Uh, yeah. So I think um, coming into mountain biking and seeing that there's this technical aspect, and at the time I think cross country race courses were trending towards more technical. Um, and I kind of liked that. 
that it was going to be less of just a purely, it's not going to be a road race. Like we're going to have jumps and drops and technical features in the courses. I, I was stoked on that because I was starting to get into, you know, jumps and drops and learning about that. And then, um, I think also mountain biking is a relatively small sport compared to swimming. Like you can be, yeah, yeah, swimming is massive and there's just so much talent. Like I was a decent swimmer, but like the national level is, is approaching the Olympic level for swimming. Like I, I never made it to nationals and for mountain biking, that's an attainable goal. Like, I mean, for non-category, like anyone can actually just go to nationals, um, which I just thought was the funniest thing. Like when I, I learned that I was just like, wait, you know, but the qualification even for juniors is just, but at the same time, like the competition is there. There's people who are dedicated like that pointy end is awesome, but the pool is smaller. So I think it was exciting to be like, wow, I came from this massive sport and now I can plot myself into this small little sport. And these races like nationals feels less stressful than state champs or like a, a high level club meet for the, for the region of the zone, um, in swimming. Like, so mentally it was actually more relaxing cause I'd put myself in some pretty stressful racing situations in swimming as a little kid where I'd been like this little scrawny kid in this massive stadium. Just, there's so many people like, and you, you have 50 seconds to prove yourself or less, you know, versus biking. You're, you've got a whole race. You can make mistakes in swimming. You can't make mistakes. Plus I felt like I could improve so dramatically because it was a smaller pool of people. Um, which it just makes it more like intimate. You know, all your people you're competing against in swimming you're just competing against the clock and also these mysterious people from all over the country. So it just generally is an awesome sport. Mountain biking is great and it's growing, but it's still kept that, um, more like friendly, like, you know, your competition. Um, yeah, you better be friendly because, uh, everybody, uh, everybody knows everybody, especially on the sponsor end. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they know each other on the talent and coaching end at those national levels, right? They they just know you. They get to know they get to know people. Yeah, and, yeah. I and, think there are people coming into the sport all the time, so there's new talent. Like people definitely didn't know me, but in you know you you gain a name pretty quickly. Word spreads fast if you're if you're quick, if you're friendly, if you've got something cool going on, like the community will, will know you soon. You know, it's pretty yeah, cool. And it's, it's, it's also pretty, it's also a very collaborative sport. Totally. Um, if you want to get fast, you have to ride with people faster than you and as fast yep. and faster than you and yep. that are more dedicated than you. And I don't know, I don't know if the same thing exists in the, in the pool, like you're only, you know, but, uh, you know, when you're running track and field, you only get faster if you're running right next to somebody who's faster. You have to have yeah. somebody to push you. But this the skill base of it. I don't know. I yeah. love the I love the sport. I keep uh, I love how I love how friendly it is. I love the camaraderie aspect of it. Um, the racing side of it. I don't think the you can get to the top levels really being a jerk. I don't think it's possible, especially for like World Cup level stuff. Because yeah. I agree. Because there's there's it's because once you get into racing, like really racing, racing 
stuff, there's parts that need to get work on that bike. There's so many things that go into it besides just you. And if you don't have that, if, if you're not the type of person that can, that can sort of uh, blend in and, and work on that, I don't think it's going to, yeah. I think it's going to work for you. I think I mostly agree. I think in the part of the world we live in here in Bellingham, we're more influenced. Mountain biking is more. Are you making a list of jerks that are really good riders as I was saying that? You're like, no, no I don't. No, I mean, there's always exceptions. I think culturally in Bellingham. No, yeah. I know tons of assholes that I wouldn't. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, let me list all the people who have done me dirty. No, no, no one's done me dirty. And they've got great bikes and they do quite well. No, no one's done me dirty. Um, I think there's, you know, always positive and negative interactions. But yeah, yeah. I, I think for the most part, mountain biking is a very positive sport. I think racing can, even in our sport of mountain biking, bring out the worst oh, sure. in people. Yeah. Um, I think culturally in Bellingham, we actually don't really have that many riders who race out of the grand scheme of things. Like in a lot of places, I, I feel like racing and riding are fully interconnected and a lot of the riders race XC or downhill, like in SoCal maybe, or just like that's what John Richardson said about New Zealand. Yeah, New Zealand potentially. Said, yeah, John Richardson. He said everybody who, but he's pretty. They're all laid back. He's like everybody's kind of laid back. But he said, he goes everybody on a mountain bike raced. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, I, and even like in Anacortes, I always thought that those things were way more interconnected. In the sport of swimming, comp- competition and swimming are directly connected. Like, you know, maybe once you're a master swimmer, you might just do lap swim, like, but you used to be a competitive swimmer, you know, mm-hmm. but in mountain biking in Bellingham, it's kind of unique in that we have this huge rider base of so many shredders and honestly, not that many of them are racers. They, they just ride here in Bellingham and in the local area in Canada and stuff and they shred and you, like you go to Galbraith and you're like, wow, there's so many fast people. And I don't know who half of them are. I've never raced against yeah, them. They don't race. They're not at the peak. Like, you know, like talking about John or, or my teammate Andrew or maybe myself. Like, we're definitely slightly faster than the, shred- the average shredder in Bellingham. But they're not, you know, they're, they're fast. But they're not competing. And I think it's because we have more of an influence from other outdoor sports like skiing. Um, we do have a lot of, you know just like mountaineers and skiers and, you know, outdoor recreators. And it's, it's more about the experience and getting good at a, um, you know, a skill. And so I think that's where a lot of our Bellingham riders come from. Um, if you go to like Southern California, where a lot of our top world cup racers and top downhill racers tend to come out of, there's more of a motocross influence. And that is purely connected, like, and that is where you, it's a different culture and maybe you do get the moto pool. dads. A huge, huge pool of people too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You see that moto crossover and that's a totally different world than we have up here in Bellingham. But you know, you, you will get some people who are, they've got a lot of money and like good gear and maybe they don't want to talk to you, you know, but that's just part of mountain biking. We've got the moto people coming in and we've got the, the skiers coming in and stuff like that. Yeah. We've had a few times on the trail where we've had kids doing drills at some corner picking blueberries or whatever they are they're doing. And, uh, and we've jammed up somebody's Strava time. And we, get a, <laughs> we get a pile of stink eye and I'm like, oh, man. and I, and I'm kind of, I'm thinking rock and roll's not going anywhere. It's a trail. Yeah. It'll be here tomorrow. Yeah, You'll totally. be able to. Yeah. 
Yeah, and we've got some competitive people here for sure, but honestly, probably less Strava and less... Oh, way less. Way more soul riders around here, which is cool. Yeah, I I think about, like, connecting and just hearing the sound of the tires Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the the mist and the rain and just everything that goes into it. And I think, yeah, soul riders, the perfect way to, perfect way to, perfect way to put it. So can you talk about the, what do you think about the, that crossover with XC and downhill? You said you had some thoughts on that. Yeah, I think like we talked, I I mentioned Elliot Jameson to you. So I know, I know his dad. Okay. And then his, and he's got a little brother, same age as my son. Yeah, and you then, probably know Elliot better than I do. Well, I don't. I've I don't only know, raced him a few I know, times. I, I know think. Elliot from the lift line at Whistler is about okay. it. But I mean, yeah. but our kids have taken a couple of. I mean, yeah. as the dads are same age kids, we've taken a couple laps together at, at cool. that kind yeah. of thing. You know, just friends. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just aware of Elliot Jameson as, like, he's similar or maybe the same age as me. He's, basically, done everything that I wish that I could have ever done. Like he's gone to cross country mountain bike worlds. Um, I've heard just like legendary stories about the guy. He's, um, and he's from just across the border here. He, he actually, before he went off to college would come down and ride in Bellingham in the winter because we didn't have snow on the trails. But anyway, he, he was riding flat pedals up until racing world champs. Like he switched to clips for world championships in Cairns, Australia. Um, (laughs) Yeah, or, yeah, I think it was Cairns, World Champs. Um, yeah, and, that, and now he races for Norco for the Downhill World Cup team, which is a crazy, you'd think that's a crazy transition, but I think what we do have going for us here, it, it, you're a product of your environment, and he just likes to ride his bike. He likes to pedal really hard up the hill because, I mean, this is all conjecture. This is the reason... I I assume he likes to go so hard is because you get more laps. I think there's laps. some parallels here. Keep yeah, like I think not knowing the guy, but we'll just I, talk about yourself. Yeah, though. like talk about the way family. I feel about it is, you know, feeling fit is nice. Like it feels good. You can get more laps. You can ride more descents, and you can also make your climbs feel like descents or flat parts of trail. You can. It's just about having more fun, really. Um, but then also, you know, we're young teenage boys who are competitive. We're trying to get faster and we've got racing goals and dreams and things like that. Um, but yeah, like I think just, you know, I think he might be a product of of a similar situation to me where he came in from the fitness side potentially, or maybe he came in from more of a, you know, just riding hardtails just mountain biking as a broad thing. And then you realize there's these different aspects. There's the fitness side, there's the technical side, but when it all comes together, that can make you a really good cross country racer or a really good downhill racer. It's not that different. A really good bike rider isn't that constrained by discipline. In my opinion, like you have to train differently when you're getting really specific. But I think if you look at John Richardson, who I I know a lot better, he was keen on getting out to one of these voodoo cross country races too. Like he sees the, the fun in that and also the value in having that broad base. Like, and he came from a downhill racing background. I think if you just don't confine yourself to that guy loves riding his bike. Yeah. He just loves riding his bike. We all love riding our bikes. Like I 
will ride anything. Um, if someone asks me to ride, I have a really hard time saying no, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. Like I actually, you know, I really enjoy long rides. I actually did a hundred mile mountain bike ride in Bellingham. Um, because Spencer Paxson and Logan Wetzel, who are local legends, um, Spencer Paxson used to race world cup and then Logan Wetzel, the soul crusher is a local, um, transition rider. They did like a 97 mile mountain bike ride. And I thought, man, I I've never seen, and maybe people have done hundred mile mountain bike rides, but I haven't seen it. And so I just had this feeling like I wanted to be the quote unquote, the first to do a hundred mile mountain bike ride. And so I spent a long time, like planning my route and just focusing in on that. And then you swing back over to, you know, doing more gravity style stuff. Like, and you're doing it all on the same bike too. Like whatever bike you've got, you know, like, and trail bikes are our general bike. Now you can make them do whatever. Like I can race XC on it and be genuinely competitive. Um, you want to talk about your, you want to talk about that, the bike you're on a little bit? Sure thing. Yeah. I mean, just picked up, a forbidden druid, which for those of us who are really into mountain biking, you'll, you'll have seen it. It's a beautiful bike. Um, forbidden bike company is helping out the fanatic enduro team. And we are very stoked on that. Like I, I had the chance to try out multiple different bikes over the winter. Um, because I was interested in just trying like different rides and that's, I, I ended up getting fixated on that high pivot design. Um, and I'm an engineering student, so I do think analytically about what's going on with the bikes. And to me, it makes sense. Um, the rear axle is moving backwards out of the way of bumps and your bike is getting longer on the rear end. So it's going to shift your weight to the front tire. Um, and I think that's reflected in how the bike rides. Like it just feels like it's got more travel, which is an absolute cliche. Like you'll hear so many bike reviewers say that. And I think I've never actually felt that until I tried a high pivot bike. Um, yeah. And having the choice of all the fanatic brands, like, you know, they've got just a killer lineup if you look on their website and to choose, like that was my first choice was, um, forbidden. And it happened. Like we, we were able to connect with them. How much much of a, how much a bike choice do you think? Uh, obviously one bike doesn't fit all. Do you think there's anything about your style of riding that makes that forbidden fit really well? I th- I mean, I'm relatively tall. I have a long upper body, um, and I have kind of a pretty centered riding style, and um, I think the longer chain stays. Um, I've experimented with longer chain stays in the past, and I think the longer chain stays, like each size on the forbidden bikes, same as Norco, which you guys are familiar yep. with, it, the rear center grows with each size, which I think is perfect. Like, I don't understand why more brands don't do that because it makes your bike Money. fit. Yeah. <laughs> it, Gosh, yeah. I, I mean, people should definitely take a look at chainstay length. Um, the longer length just suits my riding style for sure. And I was only yeah, joking too when I say that though. I'm sure the engineers, there's, um, there's people on either side of every bike debate. Uh, yeah. Every, thing but that's that's pretty dial when you came in so when you talk about your uh engineering background um you're working on composites right now correct yeah so i'm in i'm at bellingham technical college after a long and exciting college journey ended up there and in their composites program and we get to make things out of 
carbon fiber all the time, which is the dream. Like, I like my school to be pretty hands-on. And, you know, I, I went to Cal Poly, which is, you know, it's sold as being hands-on, but it really wasn't. And I got out of there pretty quick. I wasn't wasting my money. You know, I, I want to be working with with true, like, components when I'm learning my engineering. And, you know, I have my own 3D, I have multiple 3D printers of my own that I, I'm just constantly prototyping parts for we need fun. to talk we need to talk more because yeah. i keep sending stuff sidebar but i might yeah uh, yeah we can talk we can talk more afterwards yeah um, well and mike casmer <laughs> just posted that um opinion piece on pink bike about the why aren't there more little tube mounts right for bikes mm-hmm. it's it, just a little article and i was like yeah you're right and my bike has one of those mounts and so i made a printed one of those yesterday same day as the article came out just because of his article but yeah like it's just really fun engineering is fun when you can make parts like i the future the future yeah. of that um and is where and I've, I've thought this for a long time we've been 3d printing in this shop since uh 2002 we had to when it was super expensive we had to go through mm. we use a university of mm-hmm. texas el paso for it okay i've got a real state-of-the-art lab blah 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 blah. sidebar gonna circle back to mountain biking but all you mountain bike this is this is more like a joe the the future of this is 15 20 years ago the idea of buying a digital song was insane if you wanted music you bought a cd or lp or whatever or cassette or whatever whatever the form of it was Mm -hmm. and you had something physical in your hand even if all it was was a bunch of ones and zeros or or magnetic you know electromagnetism right on there it's all you're getting right and uh but you had it and the idea of itunes was nuts to people of buying something digital of a digital product and you're going we're going to reach a point and it's going to work it's going to go through where you're going to have it's going to be called it's going to be mass customization all Mm -hmm. just in time and you'll you'll purchase designs from people the same way that you purchase iTunes. So if you want yep. something, you're going to buy it the same way you yeah. buy it, the same way you click and buy music. Yeah. That's coming. Yep. And if you look at the bike world, um, the majority of composite bikes are all made the same way, but there's a few, you're, we're just starting to see the very beginning. Um, there's, there's bike brands using 3d printing. They're starting to experiment. Um, I, I think the main one is if you look up a project called Robot Bike Company, which became Atherton Bike Company, they're 3D printing titanium parts there. And, you know, it's just lugs and carbon fiber tubes, but that's the beginning. Um, and I think all bike brands are aware of that. Like, there's progression in mountain biking on the, the geometry and the technology, like the high pivot on the Forbidden. And then there's manufacturing technology, which people don't think about as much. But I think COVID is going to... has already kick-started people thinking about our supply chains in mountain biking those guys down at utep you're gonna love this maybe nobody else listening or is gonna like it but the uh those guys down in utep one of the first things they showed me and this is in 2000 something 2005 um they were 3d printing one-third scale all the ferrari engines and transmissions in titanium wow yeah so they would they would 3d print it in titanium, it was a 
That's expensive. A ton of money, <laughs> right? Yeah. And they would 3D print these things, these little miniature engines, and then they were polishing them, and they they would machine the other parts, you know, like the, the, yeah. the pistons and things like that. But the bodies of them, they were 3D printing all of those for Ferrari and running them at one-third scale to test and fit. And Interesting. Build yeah. these, build these yeah. cars back then. And that's how they've been able to make one-ofs. Or those are low-production cars, obviously expensive, but mm-hmm. how do you keep pushing the envelope like that? If yeah. you apply that same model to mountain biking. Yeah. Well, and taking it back to how we were just talking about the bike fit with, like, this Forbidden feels like it fits me really well, and the chainstays are a part of that. They're adjusting with the size. Imagine unlimited sizing specifically for you. That, you know, that's just taking what Forbidden's already doing to another level, you know. So you go, to, you go to Mount, Baker, you go right to Mount Baker imaging and you take you take your gown off and you spin around with your arms out and it scans you from head to toe. Then like in my case, it's like dad bod, category five, <laughs> six foot, you know. It's just some like combination yeah. of Herman. Yeah. Well, we got Herman Munster wants to ride a mountain bike and then the computer spits yeah. out an algorithm and prints you a yeah. mountain bike. I mean, it sounds totally sci-fi, but <laughs> we'll, we'll be on something like that, you know, for all sorts of products. Um, Which, and that's actually pretty a pretty bright thing that when you think about coaching skills and people that have expertise in bike fit and that that Mm -hmm. sort of knowledge is that's not going to, that's going to be more personal with, uh, it's still going to take more people to make that personal experience. uh, Yeah. So taking it back to GGR, when we work on cornering and, you know, our skills every week there on occasion, I do have fit recommendations for like handlebar height or, you know, just it's mainly handlebar height or bar roll, like things that kids maybe don't think about on their bikes. Like you'll see kids with their handlebars just way too high Mm. because they've got these bikes that are maybe a little too big for them with long travel suspension forks. And we're trying to get weight on the front wheel. You know, it is a balance. Like for a pro bike, you're adjusting your bar height sometimes for super steep trails or super flat courses. But anyway, um, yeah, fit being fully custom from an engineering end of things is going to be wild. We talk about, uh, talk about printing bikes though. T- tell me about the sea otter bike. Oh yeah. So some of a very few people will be aware of my adrift bike project, which I called it. And it was, it was really not that crazy in that from the engineering perspective, it was more, I was interested in like the manufacturing process or the like bike brands, outsource to factories in Taiwan, Vietnam, China, um, for their composite production. Like that's, you know, for our listeners who aren't aware, like that is how the majority of composite bikes, carbon fiber bikes are made. Um, and so I'd, I'd done a job shadow at the end of, like, I just spent a, a few hours picking Kevin Menard's brain in high school, which I'm sure it was pretty annoying to him. Um, and it, it had got me thinking about, um, how simple that seemed that you just have your, your suspension kinematics and some rough geometry and design. And like, you know, in theory you could go to the manufacturing engineers in China or Taiwan and be like, Hey, I want to make a bike. And at the time pink bike was also thinking about that and made a few articles when Vernon Felton worked there about like, how hard is it to make a bike brand? I saw that video where they were in a bar and they drew it and yeah, yeah. It was like slack ass F question. Yeah. They were joking. They made a, joke out of it and you know it's funny because they were trying to show that it is really hard but I think conversely I I found 
as a college student, I, I emailed all these like C level factories. Cause there's like top, like a level factories that like Santa Cruz and forbidden actually use the same factory. That's like the factory you want. Right. But I was in China, which is like the wrong, like you're, you know, and I was emailing these sketchy emails as, you know, pretending, you know, little kid in a big suit type thing. And I, I convinced, I had my geometry and I had my idea, you know, for this yeah, adrift awesome. bike. And, and how it was all just, how old were you with it? I would be 19 when I was really figuring this out. Um, <laughs> this was when I was at Cal Poly and I just, it was just as a joke with my roommates, you know, like I bet I can figure this out. And also bikes are expensive. Like how cheap can I do this? Can I exchange the first article, which is the first one out of the mold? Um, can I, they'll own the mold. That's the expensive part, right? The mold is the, the investment for when they make a new bike and it's fixed for geometry. Um, it's literally just a giant chunk of metal that they lay the carbon fiber into. Anyway, I couldn't afford that. Right. I was just trying to get a free bike frame. (laughs) And so I said, Hey, I'm this engineering student at Cal Poly. I've got this geometry and this idea. Is anyone going to make this frame? You guys get to own the, the mold and do whatever you want. As long as I get the first article and I did it. I figured it out and I got this frame and I built it up and put my own vinyl adrift logo on it and freaked people out on Instagram and stuff. Like people thought I was starting my own bike brand or people were trying to buy them from me. I, I went out and I raced a, a UCI pro cross country up, um, in Canada, the bear mountain XC and got like my first like decent pro result. Um, I can't remember what my place was, but it was like top 30 in like a race against like Olympic level XC racers on this bike that had people going, what is that? You know, it was just this first article, weird rig. And then, um, that, that what I love to do is I was getting more into enduro. Like it was kind of my first season of pro enduro. They had the enduro the next day and I was like, well, I'm already here. I might as well sign up for the enduro. And at the time I was sponsored by a company that had sent me two different forks so I could swap the forks to longer travel and I could swap my wheels and it was super janky and I'd race enduro on the same bike the next day. What, this, were, the, what were the angles on that bike? I mean, just general, like compared um, to where we're at. So for XC, I had a, it was fairly slack, like 66 head angle, which now is actually totally standard. Like a few years later, you look at the transition spur, it actually is very similar to the adrift bike, um, flex stays as well. Because you, you showed that, because he saw that at Sea Otter, right? Well, I don't know if um, Darren Seeds or Lars really are aware of the adrift bike, although Sam Burkhart liked one of the posts once, and he's the product <laughs> manager for Transition. But all I'm going to say is I, I also had... <laughs> so I, I had to sign the spur. <laughs> not really. I, I'm, I'm not going to take joking. any credit, but no, the spur Transition sponsors our team. Oh, They're yeah. super, super no, yeah. generous to our I'm team. Lars is going to come out and uh, and uh, ride with us, and, and they're giving us a tent. They're no, so yeah. generous, and they do the flying squirrels and everything. Oh, I just yeah. think... I think they're the best. No, Keep going, though. This is awesome. But, so, but so all I got to say is... The next I, day you go... I was thinking really big, and also, like doing the vinyl decals and stuff like I did I was kind of thinking about like oh I'll do like chromed out decals and then right after transition dropped chromed out decals and stuff like 
like a year later or six months later, bikes were coming with chrome decals. So at the time, I, my brain was firing in the right ways because the geometry on that bike was sick. It was like really adaptable for XC and enduro. I did the Tiger Mountain enduro, uh, Cascadia Dirt Cup, and ended up getting like third behind Luke Strobel and like Aaron Bradford <laughs> on that bike as well. I love I won, it. I won the Voodoo Race XC uh, at Ford EB, like the weekend before that, like on the same, I was just living it up. <laughs> and so the, the pinnacle of the project, but then I was also having issues because at Tiger Mountain, I got third on a cracking frame, like the rear triangle was failing. And well, so I was C factory. Yeah, it was yeah. terrible. Yeah. But I was emailing back and forth, like using Google translate we're trying to get these issues figured out. Cause I was like, okay, well maybe I'll get another one. And they were able to send me another one. We were getting hardware machined because I had issues where, where I was breaking shock hardware. Cause it was like What's cheap aluminum. With that? Uh, my total investment was maybe $200 in this whole, maybe $400. Yeah. It was Shipping, all just including time wise. I've invested way too much, but money wise, cause that's the thing as a college student, you've got tons of time and no money. You've got all the time in the world and no money. And it's the opposite for most people who are adults. This is, you know, like, like, this is like the catch me if you can version oh, yeah, of, uh, so bad. of mountain biking. <laughs> so funny. It. But yeah, like I was emailing with them. And if you go on the website of this factory, you'll see the, my bike with my name, like on the page, you can buy one of these frames. I wouldn't recommend it. Or we actually worked out some, anyway, it's sketchy buying these China frames, but if you look, you'll find, if you, if you really look, you'll find this frame for sale. Oh, Point is the, 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 the pinnacle was I loved this adaptable frame and I loved going to these races wow. where I could like sea otter, where you could race enduro, dual slalom and pro XC all in the same weekend that made it cause I didn't have, I had not a lot of money. So if I was going to go all the way Bang to race, for your buck. I wanted to be able to race multiple events and sea otter is perfect for that. And so <laughs> it was just awesome. I rolled up with this frame. It was the version two. Were you so still we, in Poly then? No, I was in living in Bellingham. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd left Cal Poly, but I was working on this project and at sea otter, I raced the enduro and did pretty decent. And then race dual slalom, which I'd never done before on this adrift bike. And I qualified for pro finals. I literally rocked up. I rocked up with my helmet bag and stuff and like a Trader Joe's brown bag. Like I'm late for practice. I'm like dumping the dirt out of my goggles. And I'm like Greg Menard and Steve Pete and Luca Shaw and Loris Vergier, like the syndicates there. And then just every like Mitro Pilato, Kelly, Cody Kelly, like all the domestic like hitters. And I'm like, I how did they let me into this race? And I'd actually emailed USA cycling and somehow finessed my pro license. Like you got to just play your cards. Right. But I I somehow qualified for finals, uh, in pro slalom, which is like the big show and raced Nick Nesteroff, who's one of the pros for KHS, like one of the top downhill kids on this adrift bike. And the highlight was Fabian Cusini, who's uh, um, the UR team, uh, like a World Cup team, team manager who lives in Squamish now. And he was on the Pink Bike Academy. He was one of the yeah 
yeah the judges yeah. he was yeah. there and greg minar and so i know who these guys are and i'm just there in my generic jersey like dirty because i'd crashed in practice and there's thousands of people watching me crash and they're like what kind of bike is that and these guys are legends like greg minar i was oh, freaking yeah. out and i'm like i kind of just quickly quickly explained like yeah i just you know got the first article like i explained like and they were like wow that's really cool and that just validated the whole thing i was so excited they they probably were just like wow this kid is crazy but yeah that was the, the drift bike project i love it that's like that is just the best story that's yeah that's that's just the bet and great and greg menard talking yeah. to greg menard yeah. about well it. i'm sure he doesn't remember at all but it's just like that was just awesome like somehow just figuring out how for as little money as you can you can get to these races make it work like that is kind of the <laughs> the summary of my entire mountain biking thing i enjoy doing it for less money because i don't have necessarily the means but you can make it work and i think that's where a lot of pros are at like you're you know you're bumming rides like shout out to the sprangers the the kid that beat me in that xc i bummed the ride in their van with them and i was sleeping on the floor of their hotel for sea otter so huge shout out to them. They're amazing. And just, it's yeah. a small world. Yeah. You do what you can. Like you're a college student, like you're there just bumming and you make it into the finals. And that's like just a glimpse. It keeps you going and it makes you motivated. And then that opens up a door, um, with Ibis then it was my sponsor previously. And they, that's the real like reason they were interested in having me on the team was because Another friend happened, Paul Sarah, who uh, rides for Performex and used to ride for Ibis. He um, he's from California. He I'd met him at Sea Otter, and made friends with him. You just you know you got to be friendly. Like you're racing the enduro, and you're like, oh, what's up, Paul? Like I think I've heard of your name before. My name's Eric. How's it going? I live in Bellingham, and he said, oh hey, like, and then a few months later everything dries up with the China frame and it's like, okay, they're definitely not going to send me a third one. Cause I broke the second one and I've spent, I've sent them no money. Like they're just sending me free bikes and they don't, we don't even speak the same language. And so things finally fell apart there. And so I was like, sweet, how can I pivot and get a real bike frame? And Paul was nice enough to send just the, the most generous, introduction email to the CEO of Ibis, Hans Heim, and the rest is history. And then <laughs> that connected with me with Fanatic. So it's just, you know, being friendly. It well, really it pays. Is. You gotta, uh, we have a saying around here that says, dig your well before you're thirsty. And, and you, you just gotta, you gotta create your own opportunities. I love it. And step one is figuring out what step one is. Right. Yep. And if you do what you think is step one and it's not step one, then just back up. If yeah. it turns out it's step one, then move on to step two. Yeah, well, right? you just got to follow the fun. It's like, well, yeah. I, I need a bike to ride, and I want to go to Sea Otter. How can I do that? You know, like, you're just trying to have fun and go to these races, and, you know, my parents are very supportive, but at some point you're in college, and you're not going to be like, I need you to buy me this ridiculously expensive bike frame, and I need you to pay for me to fly to Sea Otter. Like, I personally would feel terrible asking that I, you know, different strokes for different folks, but like 
there's another way. Like I could figure it out a different way, and it was actually way more fun. Oh, way more fun, and but, not wasting money. So, and, yeah. Any any plans to take all this experience somewhere in the bike industry, or do your own thing, or what do you think? You know, I don't know. Like kind of like that adrift project. I don't really know where things end up happening, but I keep having a lot of fun and meeting new people and making new connections. And so you never know. Like, do you, I, is, do you think there's some bike design stuff you'd like to do? Yeah, you I think do. There's some direction, and uh, we don't have to talk about it too much. But we've talked about it offline before about yeah. materials and things of that nature and processes. Yeah, I mean, there's is no. Is that what interests you? Or definitely, I, I mean, I'm really passionate about riding bikes, and I love, you know, the sport of mountain biking. I think I have no desire to start my own bike company that's just another fancy carbon bike company. I really like riding fancy carbon bikes. Like, Me too. I've got the coolest carbon bike right now, the Forbidden. Like. That's the holy grail. Like, I just look at it, and I'm like, wow, that is so cool. <laughs> you know, like, and people on the trail ask me, like, what is that? Yeah. But at the same time, I, I do have a lot of passion for making the sport more accessible through, like, the Washington Student Cycling League. Like, if I were going to start a bike company, I would be not making necessarily something cutting edge. It would be something maybe more affordable. That's mm-hmm. where I – and there's other brands doing that. Like, you know, there's various examples – there, there's the awesome like super bikes that I'm just so lucky to be able to ride. But then there's also, you know, you can take back some technology and make it more affordable and make bikes for the masses. That, that's what I'm more passionate about. Um, yeah, I think there's ways you could do that with, you know, manufacturing. We don't need aerospace technology in everyone's bike. Pro racers? Sure. Like, but the way we have it now is like everyone thinks they need to be on this top tier carbon fiber bike that's made the same way that airplane parts are made or rocket parts, you know, and that just makes it really expensive. And I think just having more levels to choose from is important. Anyway, that's my two cents. That's pretty good, though. I, I agree. And that's but there's other people that I mean, there's people out there, even Lo Bruni, he likes aluminum. I would say he obviously he's on one yeah. of the best bikes in the world. Yeah, but I mean he, he likes it. he yeah. likes the feel of aluminum. Thing is, those right. bikes are they're aluminum, but it's still the same price. Sure, they're putting just as much technology into it. It's just different materials. Like I went to Cal Poly for materials engineering, and I'm in composites engineering now. But it, as an engineer, you just have to entertain all your different options. Like that is materials engineering is understanding pros and cons and composites work well in some places and not well in others. There's marketing that comes in, but if you're just coming at it from an engineering standpoint, like Loic Bruni was probably interested in the aluminum from a durability perspective. Um, and and also I have an aluminum, I have an aluminum frame bike because I parked next to two idiot kids. Yeah. Right? I'm not putting my carbon bike yeah. in the same zip code as my children. Well, but that's the interesting thing is there's carbon bikes that are the same durability, but it's also comes down to that. That is marketing. Like in Loic Bruni's head, he wants to be on a bike that's durable, whether it's the same as a carbon bike in durability or not. We as when, I him, bikers, when I hear him talk about it, he likes the feel of aluminum wheels and stuff. He's, he yeah. Says. Yeah, I mean, people, it comes down to feel. And if you're riding a bike that makes you feel really good, which I have found a bike that I really like, you so know, just good. 
so be it. Like just, yeah, I, I think if we have the ability, like I was just so lucky to try all these different bikes over mm-hmm. the winter, like, you know, coming from the drift bike, I'm just trying to get a bike. And now I'm here <laughs> being able to, to test out every single one. That's totally a privilege. And you know, that's elite well, level, the, that's elite level racing right there. Didn't the team, uh, didn't the whole fanatic, I know that was with Ibis, um, originally, wasn't that something that you put together to or, or played a, a bit of had some leadership in putting together? Yeah. So this is where, I mean, it all you're, you're starting to realize that I am a crafty guy at times. And I actually had no real connection with Fnatic. They're yep. local and they were an, I was at the time writing for Ibis and I had um, the, you know, the president and CEO at Ibis um, Hans and Tom were, we were talking about what we were going to do the next season, like renewing a contract in a way. Um, and I just had this idea. I was like, Hey, fanatic, because I was only getting frame support and I needed or didn't need, but I was like, how can I get my components for free as well? Because I like to be able to ride my bike and I can't afford it. That's always the motivation. And so Fanatic is an Ibis dealer. And so in my head, I said, hey, like, they don't have a race team. I race in Washington. I live in Bellingham. They do custom builds. Like, just the whole marketing of it makes sense. And so I actually pitched the idea of the of this Ibis Fanatic Enduro team to Ibis. And then they reached out to Dan at Fanatic. And now Dan and I are, you know, we, we communicate all the time, like, I'd say we're friends, like we've ridden together before, like, and now I'm really close with the guys at Fnatic because of this idea that I had just kind of thinking about it from the marketing perspective. It makes sense. Like it's natural. Like you can't force it. You can't be like, give me free stuff. But it's like, hey, I can offer you guys like that took some of the load off of Ibis because they didn't have to manage. Like I'll manage this team. I'll manage in the middle. They get promotion through Fnatic. Fanatic gets an enduro team. They don't have to pay for frames for their team riders because Ibis will provide the wheels and the frames. And then it's just every, when it starts to feel like a win-win for everyone, that's, you know, that's how you play the game kind of, but it's just fun. Like we like to ride our bikes and I like to race my bike and that's the level I've at, I'm at. I've had the results and then I have the ability to pitch an idea like that and people are on board with it. Um, and then now the Fnatic team has, you know, I manage this team or help run the team through Fnatic and now they're kind of more the title sponsor and we, you know, parted ways with Ibis, you know, love everyone at Ibis, sure, yeah. much love yeah. to them. We, we moved on. Well, priorities change. Exactly. Yeah. Change, yeah. And had the opportunity to ride for Forbidden and that's exactly where I wanted to go and it worked out because... Yeah, so that move to connect with Fnatic was really... I didn't realize how smart of an idea that was at the time. I never do. <laughs> you know, and then, it, yeah, it's great, and it's really fun. You meet more people, and then wearing that Fnatic jersey connected me with you guys. Well, exactly, right, because yeah. I, I know where you're from and this and that, and I'm not yeah. obviously kind of like you. I'm not afraid to ask for help. Yeah. Right, and yeah, uh, <clears throat> yeah same thing with... The way GGR got started, 
was, I don't want to bring her in and talk to her someday, Carrie Young, um, uh, who's, one, her husband is one of the founders at, over at Fanatic, I, I mean at uh, Transition. Okay, yeah. But she's the one that put together the Flying Squirrels. Yeah. So, what is it, 100, 150 little girls, or what, some crazy number, and they ride, uh, they do flying squirrels and it's yeah. a little girls group here and it's awesome and uh emily's going and she wants to take her brother with her so i asked carrie hey can any any chance you're going to open this up for like brothers to come along she's like no this is all girls mm-hmm. but she's got her mission right yeah and she's she's doing it she, there's a reason for it i support it and um and she just real matter of factly i said well you know there's opportunities for the kids and there's really no race thing she said you should start it she said, yeah just start it just awesome. do it and uh she had to tell me that, like, she, I don't know. I think she told me that three or four, three or four times. And Shams was kind of saying the same thing. The, but the point being that uh, the Fanatic Race Team, the uh, uh, Drift Bike Company, um, any of these, any things that occur, somebody had to start everything that's ever existed. Totally. Might as well be you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you want to do it. It's not as hard as you think. You just have to be smart about understanding that. Mountain bike racing sponsorship is marketing. So I think we don't need our kids to be involved with marketing. The only reason we do it is if we need the stuff at a discount because we can't afford it, but we have something to offer besides money. You know, like it, we, we got to be real about all the sponsorship stuff. And then like with teams like GGR, like it's just, why not? You know, just seize the opportunity. Like, that's awesome. I love what you guys have created. Like, there was a void there, and you yeah, filled you it, fill it, and it's awesome. Yeah, it's you fill perfect. it. And, and part of the idea, too, with the team, when it comes to the marketing and the Internet, all, all these other factors, and then thinking about the digital health of the kids, mm-hmm. is is a team can can, can provide a uh, one layer of protection yeah. and critical mass towards some of those things. Um, yeah. So... The sponsors that we have for Gilbert Gravity, everything from our our dentists and realtors mm-hmm. in town, all the way to Transition Troy Lee Designs, mm-hmm. um, and then and I also consider the pros like you riding with us and helping us, and Shams and Nicole are not. I mean, all the time they're putting into this uh, with bike instructor certification program and everything. It. Uh, it, we want it. I want the team to make it a partnership, but I also mm-hmm. want it to where with on the marketing side. But I want it to be digitally safe. Totally for yeah. the for the kids. You know, Just healthy. healthy. Yeah, healthy. What healthy know, is important, what, and I think everyone yeah. wants that. I think yeah. brands don't want unhealthy. You know, like it's it's obvious when stuff on Instagram is unhealthy or social media. And you can no feel one it, wants it that. feels a little creepy. <laughs> yeah, like you just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the team. Yeah, one of the goals. One of the goals of the team is to, is to obviously promote the brands that help us. You mm-hmm. know, like right over your shoulder, I'm looking at that box of ride wrap. Yep. That Scott Beach sent down. Yeah. From, Huge shout out. We're filming at Fanatic tomorrow. We've got yeah. the video going. Yeah. That's awesome. I, you know, and here's a guy. Here's a company up in Whistler that sees us as part of his backyard, down. You know, as part of this corridor that we're in. Um, supporting us like that but um he he's a, like him in particular um the guys at ride rap in particular 
the way he approaches it, I've sort of learned a lot through osmosis or just sort of formed an opinion of it. Something that feels kind of natural. He's like, uh, take this, make prizes. I don't want to turn it into, into about us, but it's, it's a uh, digital health, but we can provide that, that mix. But at some point the kids need to understand and they need to transition. Yeah. That they're going to wind up more where you're at and that they have to, they, they don't have to take the fun out of it, but right. Uh, understand. yeah. If you're pursuing racing yeah. or as a job or as a, like if you're, yeah, totally. And I think, that's part of the reason I'm so excited to be involved is because there are a lot of really excited racers on your team and they, they ask me about my sponsors and all that all the time. And like, I love my sponsors. I love my gear, but I think it's important the way you talk about yeah. your stuff yeah. with kids to be honest that like, like we just got to be if real you about a frame, it. Like, you can get a guy in China to send it to you for 200 bucks. <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> but I think it's just being real with the whole thing. Like I, I think you're just trying to have a bike to ride, you know, and you're trying to have a lot of fun. We're trying to race. We're trying to go fast. And if that kid is looking for a bike to ride or their dad is, then like, I'm going to recommend the bike that I'm riding because it's awesome and it's fast. Like, and that's, but also like if a kid's just getting into the sport, I'm not going to say you need a forbidden this, you know, like, right. Let's get you into the sport. And then it, that'll happen naturally. The, it's an awesome product. And yeah, like step it, one is fun. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I think and with your levels of rider, like we've got the, the under 12 and the under 16, like in a way the under 16 have probably been more bathed in like marketing already so that I get more questions from them and they're the ride leaders that are going to teach the U12 and so I really wanted to you know I want to try and at least impart a little bit of like my philosophy about this whole sponsorship and thing like being real about like hey here's the fanatic team like we love racing and like we're a cool team and but we're also real like we're people and you know hit us up with questions like we're not just on a pedestal. Like I think sure. being involved in the community is more important to me than being more like a pro motocross racer. Who's a God, you know, like that's not the type of pro I'm trying, trying to be if I'm going to go, even, uh, you know, like uh, Tyler Villapoto as a, as a super, super cross champ. I think he won some super cross and his Tyler Villapoto's his brother, mm -hmm. you know, motocross legend. Yeah. 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 And, or, uh, he races yeah. Northwest cup. Yep, super and he's helping out guy. with the, the way East. East. Yeah, and he's awesome. a super cool guy. And uh, talking to him and his wife, he's like he what he loves about mountain biking is that scene and feel of it. And he he said and he was telling me one day he's like it's so much healthier for the kids, physically healthier mm -hmm. compared to motocross, just the wear and tear on your body. Yeah, and he likes the the vibe of it. Totally. Well, that's cool uh, to hear. A lot more. Yeah, um, that's really cool. And and he was, you know, he's like, oh yeah, keep the kids in here. He's like, don't worry about. It. He, he was he. You know, it was a great conversation. Uh, cool. Yeah. With uh, Tyler, and it's yeah. cool that now JT and Brandon are down there hanging. Yeah, out that's awesome. Any other? What about any other tips for? I always ask about tips for race dads. Speaking of the scene, myself not included. <laughs> tips for race about dads, like what? should race dads be working on or putting their energy into or, or like how to not, 
the good, bad, and the ugly, or what? What do you think, though, when you're talking about focus on kids, raising raising kids that love sports? What's going to make it fun? So the kids come back and go, "That was the best ride ever." Yeah, I think it comes down to rewarding hustle, um, and not like rewarding in like you don't get a new bike unless you win. Like that's that's not the right way to do it. We all it's know crazy. that. Yeah. Um, it's just about Effort. fun. Like we, we fun, all know, right, right. like we all know what feels positive and, you know, just, I mean, dads are going to have an ego. They want their kid to do well, but when it comes down to it, like you just want them to get that work ethic. Like, and, and I think all the dads know that, like you're just trying to develop some hustle and then they themselves will develop into someone who loves putting in the work. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I'm so grateful that, you know, my parents did force me to show up to swim practice. They had no expectations necessarily of winning or when they did, that was what kind of put me off of it. Um, but they did have an expectation that I was doing things with my time year round. I was putting in work and it didn't matter. It was just about that, that work. Like, if, if your kid's going to be a rider and they have these grand goals and they're talking about sponsors and stuff, being real about like the, if you want to get there, you just got to be riding every day and having fun with it. Um, and that's where you, you turn it and it becomes real. It's like, wow. Yeah. Like pro riders put in the hustle and are out there every day because they love to do it. And if you don't want to be out there every day, that's also fine. And just being real with yourself about it. Like that's yeah, key, be honest you know. with yourself. Yeah, like like a pro rider's not truly riding every day, but they're they're being smart about it and they're getting really stoked when they do get to go ride, and they're they want to go ride, so they're seeking that out. Um, and I don't know how you foster it. The kids, all kids are different, but yeah, just keeping it real. Yeah, it's tough, you know. Yeah, I know for me, the way I think about it though, um, I do have an expectation for my kids. Uh, personally that you will be physically fit you mm-hmm. will be mentally fit yep um i i believe that all that stuff comes in little bits and pieces and little bits of hard work at a time and yep. uh you can't you sort of it's not it's easy to do cramming for a test but uh you kind of don't want to cram for life right you want to you want to totally. you want to sort of build up and and over life and uh yeah. but no in my house you will be you will have some physical fitness you will have some mental fitness spiritual fitness and you're going to know how to defend yourself those are like i've got a few basic yeah uh, yeah a few basic things and and once they anything beyond that it's all gravy and it takes about 10 minutes a day in my opinion yeah i think uh if anyone's still listening at this point in the podcast <laughs> um what dave just said i totally agree with like and even if you get to the point where it's like, wow, my kid's dialed on all those things, let's let's work on these, like, race results, you know, because we're already dialed on, they, they must be good, like, their mental game's good, they're strong, like, just keep reinforcing those basics, don't jump ahead to, oh, we're, we're all sorted, you know, like, let's just focus on race results, like, that, you can yeah. never, it's not worth losing that basic, you know, well, like, foundation you just got to keep like you can always be getting better at those things and then those will like all the things i learned in swimming they transferred to biking 
and they're the way I am. Like the reason I have this drive in mountain biking and I, I'm so glad that I have that and that's yeah. what you want to foster. All of these kids on the team, their lives are going to take so many twists and turns that everything we do positive here, I want it to be a metaphor and a lesson for other things that they're going to do in their life. Yeah. You don't know where they're going to yeah. wind up, but you want it to be, uh, you want it to be one of those things where they learned, uh, something, something super positive, but you're right. Well, we've been going on and on. Uh, we've been talking for a while. We have. Um, that's okay. And which is just, which is, which is awesome. But, um, this I really, has been very fun. Yeah, I really appreciate you being on the team, and I really appreciate all your volunteering. I want to st- specifically thank Fanatic and Ride Rap for uh, Ride Rap for sending that down for you, kind of to to help us support them. Uh, Bank of the Pacific, I got to say thanks to them too, specifically yeah. for you. I, <clears throat> um, and then thanks to your thanks to your sponsors and all the every 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 bike company out there, every apparel company. Everybody in the industry that is supporting their pros that and supporting their racers is all of that trickles down some way or another. And uh, I appreciate it. And hopefully the they're looking for guys like you out there that come back and give their time back the way you have been. Well, thank you, Dave. The kids absolutely love it. And uh, um they're crushing every, it. It's every, awesome. <laughs> every time they come back, that was the best ride I've ever been on. Yeah. So oh, man. I really appreciate yeah. it. Thanks. I don't know, anything else? Yeah. I mean, thank you for having me on. And yeah, just a thank you to all of my supporters and the people who have supported me throughout the years that have been keeping it real. Like my supporters are Fanatic. Big shout out to Dan at Fanatic. Yeah. Uh, awesome guy. And it's then, crazy here. Yeah, we love you, Dan. <laughs> and then... Um, Forbidden Bike Co., Fox, Race Face, um, which has their creator series. They're really supportive of, you know, creating media in mountain biking, telling yeah, Sky, stories. Sky got, Sky did one for them. Yeah. Yep, yep. And then Fox and Race Face are the same company. So we've got them on board for wheels and suspension. Really excited about that. Um, one Up Components, another local company that's super helpful. Yeah, they're the best. We love you guys. Um, Schwalbe Tires. They actually have some local, like their warehouses in Ferndale, um, super grippy tires, best wintertime tires, the purple compounds. And then I've got to thank um, Shimano for helping us out with the team. And then, um, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> There's just so many people. You're always going to miss I'm somebody. Forgetting. I'm really sorry if I forgot, but yeah, somebody's always yeah. gonna somebody's always gonna get missed. Well, thanks. Yeah. I'm I want to I'm a curious. We're gonna have to talk again in the fall, and see where our little see where our experiment, where this GGR experiment is wound up in the fall. Yeah, see how the season goes. This will be cool. Wrap up the season. Yeah, we've and been working about on your cornering, so we're gonna be better at that. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Eric. All right. That's All a wrap. Right. That was great. <laughs>